several weeks since I've been here, and I'm up here preaching, so you can pray for me as I go through this. Uh, Shannon mentioned how much she appreciated Joe uh, having people uh, stand for the reading of the scripture uh, when he preached last, so I, I'd, I'd like to do that as well. So if you could uh, please stand, I'll read uh, today's scripture. If you'd like to follow along, I'm going to be reading from uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Officially, our text is verses 15 to 18. I'm going to start a couple verses before that, um, starting in verse 12. Hear the word of God. Now, about our brother Apollos, I strongly urged him to go with you, the brothers. He was quite unwilling to go now, but he will go when he has the opportunity. Be on your guard, stand firm in the faith, be men of courage, be strong, do everything in love. You know that the household of Stephanus uh, were the first converts in Achaia. They have devoted themselves to the service of the saints. I urge you, brothers, to submit to such as these and to everyone who joins in the work and labors at it. I was glad when Stephanus, Fortunatus, and uh, Achaicus arrived, because they've supplied what was lacking from you. For they refreshed my spirit and yours also. Such men all, uh, deserve recognition. The churches in the province of Asia send you greetings. Aquila and Priscilla greet you warmly in the Lord, and so does the church that meets at their house. The word of God. Thank you. Please be seated. Lord God, I pray that you would uh, be with us today, that uh, uh, your spirit would uh, enlighten our hearts, that you would use uh, the words of my mouth to glorify you. In Jesus' name, amen. So um, I've been uh, spending a bit more time this past week on Facebook than I have recently. Um, In fact, up until a couple of weeks ago, I had basically had not been on Facebook at all. I hadn't posted anything in over a year and barely paid any attention to it. Uh, But the last few weeks I've been kind of getting back into the social network thing. Um, Part of that is simply uh, as a teacher with school out, I have more time on my hands to to do stuff like that. And part of it is uh, as as, um, uh, my family went to a a reunion this summer, there was kind of stirred up in me this, this desire to reconnect with friends from my past and to, uh, to see what was going on with friends in my present. Uh, and then additionally, this past week, I had an ulterior motive. Um, as I was trying to engage my social network connections um, to find a place to stay in New Orleans uh, so that I could compete in the North American Scrabble Championship, <laughs> which is happening down there starting next weekend. And yes, that is a thing. And I am competing. I, d- I did find a place to stay. Uh, but so, but it, it started out with, you know, just a Facebook post that says, hey, does, does anybody have friends or family in New Orleans that can host me? And, uh, you know, a former colleague of mine said, yeah, Candace is down there. And another friend from seminary said, yeah, I've got a bunch of people in New Orleans. And they sent me phone numbers, and I texted back and forth, sent Facebook messages back and forth. Um, went on Facebook, searched for New Orleans, and I clicked on friends, and I clicked on friends of friends. And, and uh, 
you know, had some, some possibilities, but nothing came of that. Uh, and so then I fell back on my web 1.0 resources, uh, static web pages, and I, I looked up churches. I, I did Google searches for different churches in New Orleans, and, and I kind of focused on churches where I felt like I might have some points of contact with them. So I looked for, looked for non-denominational evangelical places like, like New Hope. And then I looked at Presbyterian churches because I, I went to a Presbyterian seminary. Uh, and and uh, um, as I was doing this, you know, part of me, you know, feels a little like, you know, is this, like, should I be using my, these, you know, Christian networks for just my own personal recreational gain? But, but mostly it was just, it was neat to, you know, to, to uh, engage these communication tools we have at, at our disposal and to, to, uh, to connect with, with new friends and old friends and, um, you know, every time you, you go to one of these websites, there's a button that says, you know, staff and leadership, and you click on that, and it opens a page with the names of people, and uh, a lot of times next to their name, you can click on the name, and they'll open a biography, you can learn about them, where they went to school, you know, who their family is. Um, in one case, I actually stumbled across a classmate from, from seminary who's, uh, who's uh, pastoring a church in New Orleans, and he unfortunately wasn't able to host me. Um, but, but uh, you know, this, is, this you know, is, is something we're very used to in the Internet age, of seeing those blue letters with the underline and knowing if I, if I click on that, I will immediately find out more about uh, whatever those words are. <clears throat> and the, the text of the New Testament, the original manuscripts at least, um, functioned a little bit like Facebook for these people. You know, we, we read the Bible today for, for eternal spiritual theological truths, which, which Paul probably had some sense of writing, but, but also they're letters between friends. Uh, and so, <clears throat> um, you know, we, we see Paul coordinating his travel plans, like, J, uh, like Joe was describing, and uh, in one place, we see, we see Paul saying, hey, you know, you know, could you pick up the coat that I left at such and such place and uh, say hi to so-and-so, uh, you know, such and such says hi to you. Please give him a hug when you see him. Uh, just a, a lot of the kinds of things that we say in, in our conversations. And that kind of earthiness, that, that connection uh, between real people and real times and places makes the Bible come alive to me. And, and so when I read a text like today's, uh, you know, in a, in a 21st century context, uh, you know, the, my first question was, who's Stephanus? And I want to click on him and find out his story. You know, I want to, I want to find out, you know, his, his testimony. What does he do? Where's he been? Um, but we can't, right? The link is dead. 404 error. All we've got is, is Paul's feed and, then, and Luke's feed in Acts. And, and you know, they, you know, Paul may do some, some retweeting of people and, and uh, mention blog posts that other people have written and tags, tag different people. But, you know, all we can learn about those things is, is what Paul says and, and, and uh, what Luke says. Uh, and so, you know, I wanted to talk a little bit about what we can know about the people Paul mentions here uh, from Paul's feed. Um, 
and uh, I'd like to, uh, you know, as, as Darcy was saying, to, to narrow that question in a little more. What, what do we learn about, about leadership from these people that are mentioned here? Uh, because when Paul mentions somebody by name, it tends to be somebody that's a leader. Sometimes they have an official title, an overseer, or elder, or deacon, or sometimes it's just clear that they're, they're acting in a role of leadership. Um, and, and this applies to, to all of us. We're all, we all have roles of leadership in some way uh, as, as, as parents, as spouses, as brothers and sisters, as bosses, uh, you know, as team leaders uh, in, in a job. We all have somebody that we're inf- influencing in leadership and the principles that can apply to each of us in those roles. And then specifically, as we look at church leadership, I would ask you to, to uh, uh, as we did today, to, to pray for our leaders, to pray for Jason and Joe, to pray for uh, the elders. And, and it's, you know, I feel self-conscious up here preaching on leadership because I know all the ways that I fall short. And uh, so I ask for your, your prayer in, in growth uh, in being a leader. Um, and so uh, let's see what we, can, what we can find out here. You know that the household of Stephanus were the first converts in Ikea. Kind of a, a no-duh sort of observation. Leaders have some experience that uh, uh, Stephanus has been at this, this leadership thing for a little while. He's been... Um, uh, he was uh, one of the, the first, he says he's the first convert in Ikea, which is the area in southern Greece where, where Corinth is. Um, and Paul was there in Corinth for a year and a half with him, teaching him. And now he's writing this letter, perhaps five or six years later. Uh, so so um, <clears throat> Stephanus and his household have some experience following Jesus. Um, but... By the same token, uh, when we look at leadership in the, in the um, uh, early church, I, we can think of it kind of in terms of uh, the, the NFL. I'm, I'm a, a football fan, and when you, when you read a, an article about somebody in the NFL that uh, is uh, exhibiting veteran on-field leadership, that doesn't necessarily mean you know, a Ray Lewis or Peyton Manning that's been around forever. A lot of times, you know, they're talking about somebody who's in their third or fourth year in the league. So when, when we, when we uh, talk about, you know, what are some requirements for leadership, we're looking at somebody with some experience. And I think it's right to emphasize both of those words. Um, I mention this because... Um, um, one of the uh, one of the things that I, that I wanted to talk to you about and to have you be praying about, we we prayed today for for Kevin, for Darcy, for myself, the the elder team, and uh, we will be looking to add to that team. We'll be looking for for um, uh, others that uh, that God's calling to serve as elders of New Hope. Uh, we will at some point later this summer or fall be asking for. Nominations, and I think this me saying it now is kind of the official announcement of that. Uh, so as we're going through this, be thinking about who are who are people in our body that 
that uh, exhibit some of these characteristics? Who's somebody that, that has some experience in, in uh, following Jesus? Maybe not necessarily a gray beard, as Darcy said, but, but what's that? Falling off? Okay. There we go. Um, continuing on, verse uh, 15. You know that the household of Stephanus were the first converts in Ikea, and they have devoted themselves to the service of the saints. Leaders are devoted to serving the people that they're leading. Stephanus and his household were devoted to serving the people of God. Um, Devotion, this word devotion in English, you know, has the sense of, of commitment, passion. I'm, I'm devoted to my wife. I'm devoted to my children. I'm a devoted fan of the Pittsburgh Steelers, right? When, when, when we say we're devoted to something, we care. It, it matters to us. Um, but the, the word here is actually doesn't carry all that weight on its own. It's, it's a much more matter-of-fact kind of word. It means, you know, set up, established, appointed. It'd be like if, if I said, uh, uh, Caleb, go stand outside the door so, and please open the door when people, whenever somebody comes, right? I've, I've devoted him for, for that. So, so he's been appointed, he's been set up to go and open the door. So he goes back and, and he opens the door for people. It's kind of like a, like a Geico commercial. It's what you do, right? If you're devoted to opening doors, you open doors. It's what you do. Um, but the, the word is translated in every English translation much stronger than that. This, this uh, devoted themselves. One translation says put themselves out like there's, there's some cost or some inconvenience to the, to the, the leader in, in serving. Um, there's, uh, in fact, the old King James, this is the only time this is translated like this, uses the, the phrase addicted themselves. To, to serve that that, that uh, Stephanus couldn't get enough of it. Uh, he's he's addicted to serving. I think it's that second word themselves that gives us this strength, right? If I if I tell Caleb to go and and uh, open the door, then then uh, you know that's what he's been devoted to. But if he devotes himself to opening the door, you know he's addicted him, so he can't get enough of opening that door, right? <laughs> It's not just what he does, it's who he is. He is a door opener, and, and he's passionate about it. Uh, and so we see that in, you know, with Stephanus. We have no indication that, that Paul told Stephanus, hey, go, you know, go minister to people. It, it just flowed out of who he was, and he addicted himself to it. He was passionate about it. Um. A couple notes about what comes out of this, of, of being a leader that, that serves uh, the people that you're, that you're leading. Um, Paul says, I was glad when Stephanus, Fortunatus, and Achaicus arrived because they have supplied what was lacking from you, which was their presence. Paul's writing to the Corinthians from Ephesus, and so they're not there with him, but they sent some people to come, and so they... Uh, Stephanus and his household represented the people, and 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 how did Paul feel? He was he was glad, and 
they refreshed my spirit as they refreshed yours. Right? So Stephanus refreshes Paul in serving him. Stephanus refreshes the Corinthian church. <clears throat> and so, so serving people is a source of refreshment. Leaders are refreshing to the people that they're serving. Refreshment and encouragement are just the natural response to being served in that way. My, my wife, as I mentioned, my wife and I just got the opportunity to go to a reunion uh, with the ministry that we used to work for, uh, Military Community Youth Ministries. Uh, and being around all those other leaders was such a refreshment to us, such a, such a refreshment to our soul. Um, the, the word here for, for ministry uh, that, that Stephanus has devoted himself to is talking about physical needs, especially food, which is an important physical need for all of us. And, and I, I see that as, a, as a, you know, something that, that um, uh, is, is a, a way that we serve one another. Um, we were going to, uh, our last event at our reunion was a, was a breakfast, uh, and the day before we went, uh, Caleb said, what's for breakfast tomorrow? He's, Caleb's always planning ahead. And, uh, and I, said, I said, I don't know, but Tito Huckfeld is in charge, so you got nothing to worry about, because Shannon and I know that Tito just takes joy in serving people through food. Like, he just loves making good food to give to people. So you'll be in good hands. Um, and and um, so, you know, we went to that breakfast and were thoroughly refreshed. And it's a natural result of being served. The other result of being served is maybe, you know, not as natural, but requires a little bit of choice on the people being led. And so Paul gives two directives to the people. He says, uh, they've devoted themselves to the service of the saints. I urge you, brothers, to submit to such as these and to everyone who joins in the work. And then in verse 18, they refresh my spirit and yours also. Such men deserve recognition or respect. So Paul's, Paul's telling the, the people to, res, to respect and to submit to, the, um, to Stephanus and his family, not because they're episcopos or presbyteros or any particular title, but because they're devoted in service, right? Um, we have this, uh, uh, as, as I think as human beings, have this kind of, allergy to the idea of submission. Uh, we have, uh, um, if you, um, we just had our 4th of July, and, and of course the Declaration of Independence has things we remember, um, like uh, we hold these truths to be self-evident, but most of it is about explaining why we're not going to submit to the authority of King George. So it's kind of, it's, it's in our DNA. And it's in our human DNA. You know, humans have, have resisted submitting to authority since Genesis 3. Um, and so when you look at um, uh, the uh, New Hope document for membership, there's, there's four things we ask members to do to, 
to, to worship collectively, to be a part of a house church, to give of your resources, to submit to the authority of the elders. And it's the, if, if there's anything that raises an eyebrow to anyone, it's the last one. You're like, oh, submit to the authority of the elders. And I've heard a couple of people, you know, talk about that. And I think, you know, maybe we have this image of, of Cartman here from, from, I put on the bulletin. You will respect my authority. Um, <laughs> And, and uh, you know, of course, if, if, you know, no, King George, we're not going to respect your authority. And, and, and um, but if, if we're talking about somebody that's, that's devoting their lives to serving us, then, then uh, submitting to that and respecting that and being willing to follow that person should come easily and naturally. It's an admonition to me as a leader to be that kind of leader that's pouring my life out in service. Uh, and it's a, it's a uh, <clears throat> conviction of, of where I fall short of that. Um, <clears throat> so we're looking for people with some experience. We're looking for those that are devoted to serving the people they're leading. And one last... Uh, observation I have about leadership comes from where we find these people. Uh, so Stephanus, when he's writing, Stephanus is not in Corinth. He's writing to the Corinthians. Stephanus is from Corinth. He's part of the, the church leadership there, but he's come um, across the sea or, or around by land to come and be with Paul in Ephesus. Um, he's probably come to bring the letter that Paul's referred to several times um, with problems they've been having in the church, and he's come there to, to serve Paul and to, to minister to him and refresh him. Uh, so he's gone out to serve Paul. And we maybe have some evidence that this is the kind of person that Stephanus is. Back when we first met Stephanus in the, in the first chapter, uh, chapter 1, uh, verse uh, 15, Paul says, um, uh, I'm thankful I did not baptize any of you, Corinthians, any of you except Crispus and Gaius, so no one can say that you were baptized into my name. Uh, yes, I also baptized the household of Stephanus. Beyond that, I don't remember if I baptized anyone. You know, so maybe this is Stephanus looking over his shoulder. Hey, don't forget about us. We're the first fruits of Achaia. Uh, or maybe some commentators think that that Stephanus wasn't one of the Corinthians, uh, that maybe Stephanus came there to Corinth with Paul from, from Athens or somewhere. Um, and so, you know, we certainly see early church leaders on the move. Uh, and, and maybe an even better example of this is uh, the next names we have here, Aquila and Priscilla. Right now, Aquila and Priscilla are there with Paul. Paul's saying, high to the Corinthians from them. And uh, uh, boy, now here's somebody I'd really like to click on and hear their story. Um, and uh, I told my wife, somebody needs to write a historical novel about them. She said, you should do that. I said, no, nah, we need somebody with more historical chops. But we can look in, in Acts chapter 18 and learn a little bit about them. So if you want to flip over to Acts chapter 18. Paul goes from Athens, where he was, you know, 
debating with some philosophers, and he comes to Corinth. Uh, and the, it looks like one of the first people he meets up with there is, is Priscilla and Aquila. There are some Jews that were kicked out of Rome uh, by the emperor Claudius, uh, who was persecuting the Jews there, and they came and settled in, in uh, uh, southern Greece, in Corinth. Um, and so Paul becomes business partners with them, making tents with them. And um, so, you know, Edge Crux folks, when we're setting up our tents this week, you can think, hey, Paul used to do this, right? So they, so they made tents with Paul. And then uh, Silas in verse 5, Silas and Timothy come along, and uh, that frees Paul up to do uh, preaching full-time. So presumably maybe... Uh, Silas and Timothy were now working with uh, Priscilla and Aquila. So, you know, they had some, you know, you could wonder how did those people form one another. Um, and then uh, Paul is in Corinth for a year and a half uh, preaching to this church and serving with them. And Priscilla and Aquila are, you know, with them the whole time. And then when Paul leaves... Um, <clears throat> In verse 18, when Paul leaves, Priscilla and Aquila go with him. Right? They sail uh, across the sea to Ephesus and go there. Now, now, when they get to Ephesus, Paul then goes and does some, some uh, missionary traveling around Asia Minor. Uh, but Priscilla and Aquila stay there in Ephesus, and, and they join in with the church there, and they host a house church. And they're influential. We find out a little later that a certain guy named Apollos comes there. A very uh, a new uh, Jewish convert to Christianity comes. And, and he's got you know, maybe a few things wrong with his theology or, or you know, off a little bit. And so Priscilla and Aquila get to disciple Apollos, who then goes on to go back to Corinth where they've just been, and, and be one of the major leaders in Corinth. We learned about Apollos earlier in, in Corinthians. And so, so now Paul is, is in Ephesus writing to the Corinthians, and, and he says, hey, Priscilla and Aquila, say hi. Um, and, and he describes that, he, you know, that he's going to be coming to visit them, maybe or maybe not according to the, the itinerary that Joe shared with us a couple weeks ago. But eventually he does... Uh, a couple years later, he does make it back to Corinth and spends some time with them in Corinth. And while he's there in Corinth, he writes another book that we've become quite familiar with here. Uh, he writes the book of Romans. And, he, and we know that he writes that from Corinth because of the people that he sends uh, greetings from. And so if we flip back to uh, Romans 16... We see that uh, we see that in uh, uh, verse three, the very first people Paul greets in Romans greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers, my fellow tent makers in Christ Jesus. They risked their lives for me. So they're not in Ephesus anymore. They've moved on, right? Uh, Claudius is, is out, and now there's an apparently much more friendly emperor named Nero in place. And, and uh, uh, so, so Priscilla and Aquila are, are back in Rome leading a church there. 
So these folks get around. I think they are a, a, um, a great example of uh, a principle uh, that uh, uh, Loyola, the founder of the Jesuit movement, had for the Jesuits, which was the idea of living with one foot raised. Right? So if, you, if, you have one, if you're with one foot raised, you know, first of all, you're not going anywhere. Right? I'm not shuffling around. I'm staying in right here. All my weight is focused right here where I am. Right? But at the same time, I'm poised to move to wherever God has me go next, whatever the new opportunities arise. And um, um, I, I love that, that concept of living with, with one foot raised. And that has different implications for different people in different situations. And some of that is geographical. Right? Some of, it, some of it may be things like, you know, is, is God calling us to move to Catonsville? Is God calling us to the city? Is God calling us to go back on staff with MCYM? Is, is God calling me to a new teaching job at a new school or a new career altogether? And, you know, right now I, I would say, you know, the answer is no for all those things, but I'd like to think that we're, uh, that we're open to that, that we're, that we're listening for... for you know, where God's calling us to go, and then we're not so firmly rooted in our, our place that, that uh, we're not open to God calling us. But, but it's not just geographical. I think it's, it's an attitude of, of being willing to go and to do where the ministry is. Uh, I see it as, uh, you know, Stephanus shows us that leaders are all in for the people that they're leading. And Aquila and Priscilla show us that leaders are all in for the mission, for, for where the people are being led. And, and uh, <clears throat> I would, uh, uh, you know, hope that, that I can always display, that model that, that willingness that Priscilla and Aquila showed to, to be all in for going where God calls me to serve. Um, we've been talking a little bit about, about uh, 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 offering some, you know, where, where do I go with this? What do I do with this? Maybe, you know, homework, if you will. So I'd, I'd, have a, I'd like to close with a couple of thoughts first about, about uh, where each of us might take some of these ideas. First of all, let me suggest that this week, when you're on if, Facebook, if you're a Facebooker or Twitter, whatever other forms of communication you might use that might involve hyperlinks. Um, pray for your leaders. Pray for, pray for Jason. Pray for Joe. Pray for elders. Pray for who future elders might be. Who are the people that are exhibiting those leadership traits? People that have some experience. People that are all in for the people and the mission of New Hope Community Church. And secondly, I guess I would say to think about Cartman here. Maybe you can put him on your fridge or someplace where you see him. Or, or next time you see something animated, if you, you know, watch The Simpsons, have kids that watch animations, come across something. Think about this idea here of you know, what is the basis for respecting authority. And, and, and am I doing that? Am I, am I pouring my life out in service to those who I'm leading. I, 
I don't think as, as, a, as an elder, as a church leader, I don't feel like I've had this kind of attitude like Hartman, but boy, I sure do in some other roles where I have authority, as, as a parent or as a teacher, uh, demanding respect, demanding authority, um, when perhaps I should be focused on, on pouring myself out in service. Uh, to try to evoke that natural response of, of, you know, why wouldn't you respect and submit to somebody that's, that's serving you? Um, finally, I, I want to finish with one thought, kind of big picture thought about the situation of leadership in the Corinthian church. Um, and I think it offers uh, both a, a word of encouragement and um, a word of, of exhortation to us. Our, our, serve, our, our series that we've been going through for over a year now in 1 Corinthians, we, we call it Folly and Scandal. All right. So the Corinthian church had some pretty good leaders. They had the Apostle Paul for a year and a half. They had Apollos. Priscilla and Aquila were there. Stephanus seems to be a pretty passionate guy. But we've also seen that the Corinthian church was a hot mess. Um, And so, as a leader, I guess there's some comfort in that, that crisis or struggle or failure of a thing doesn't necessarily mean the failure of the person behind that thing. That uh, is very comforting as a parent. As, you know, I've seen many parents uh, in, in, in my circles that would seem to have done everything right. And yet, you know, their kids walk away. Their kids make poor choices. You know, and surely there are churches, there are businesses, there are institutions that go off the rails despite good leadership. And that, that uh, good leadership doesn't guarantee the, uh, the thriving of those being led. And, and that gives me some comfort as a leader. But here's the flip side for all of us in our role as followers, that we, we can't just sit back and, and you know, coast on the, the, the fact that we do have good leaders. I, I, I think I have great administrators at the, the high school where I work. But you know, that doesn't get me off the hook for, for doing my part to, you know, to fulfill the, the mission of the school. Um, and we each have that responsibility of, of following where our leaders lead us into the, the mission of being the kingdom of God, sharing Jesus' love with a hurting world. Um, and it's, it's, a, it's not just the leader's job, but it's all of our job. And uh, we all have a, a role to play in that. So as Joe comes up to do a closing song for us, I would pray for all of us that may Jesus give us the grace to both lead and to follow well in being the body of Christ in our community in this coming week and beyond. Amen.